Today is December 26th. The hot stove is still burning, even if half the country is frozen solid. Brian Reynolds rumors are not slowing down, and we're going to try to say something positive today, too. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh and I am joined as always by my brother Jake. What's up, Jake? <laughs> the flu. <laughs> the flu. Jake is down with the flu. It's rough, man. So I'm going to sound bad. I probably look terrible. You look, uh, you look better than I expected. You might hear a couple coughs if he doesn't get to the mute button here. Yeah. Um, he has told me to talk as if he's not here (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i'll unmute and come in whenever i need when i need to so we are recording this on the morning of christmas eve so um you know just trying to make sure that we have enough time to to relax for the holiday we usually record on sundays obviously christmas is on a sunday so that's not a thing um we, we you know we talked about maybe not doing it and then decided um you know what's a what's a couple hours on Saturday morning, we can make it happen. So if some crazy things happen on Christmas Eve or Christmas, um, you guys will know about it before this recording will. So, (laughs) Um, Jake, what are you doing? So you had your trip back home. What are you doing for Christmas? uh, The wife and I are actually having a delayed Christmas this year because she works both Christmas Eve and Christmas. So we're planning on just doing our little thing at the house. other than that, I'm on a five-day quarantine, so I'm not really doing anything. Yeah, for the flu, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, I did we too. We don't necessarily have to go down that path, but I, I just I think I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and not for one way or another, but just because that's not what this podcast is about. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter what we think about it. Um, <laughs> it makes it sound like I agree or disagree with it, but literally, guys... I'm, I'm in the middle of the road, as some people say I like to be all the time. Um, yeah, so we've got uh, we've got some things today. Maybe we're still under level three emergency here, so we're not allowed driving on the roads yet. So maybe we'll uh, hit up church tonight. Maybe not. You know, they may not even have it. But either way, um, you know, we'll do we'll do some of our normal Christmas Eve things. We like to sit around the record player, and I have a, I have a little uh, seven-inch record of uh, Louis Armstrong reading the night before Christmas, and cool. it is it is is it's fun, but it's also like just super cool um, to listen to somebody like him tell that story because it's there's a couple lines in there that are real fun, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and he laughs in the middle of it, and you know, bowl full of jelly. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just so good. Like, I love Louis Armstrong. But uh, so that'll be fun. And then I don't know what we'll do, but try to get the kids to bed early and set up all the stuff and do that thing. But as far as tomorrow goes, man, we, we're we chill for Christmas. We just well, stay home. Our mom's coming out there. She right? is. Yeah. She, well, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, weather. 
weather and, and all that stuff. I mean, there's not really a good road here. So they just had like a stressful drive home the last time. So I'm not sure they're going to sign up for another one, which I'd understand. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. But still plenty to get into. Um, you know, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that's going on with the Pirates. Obviously, there's not a lot. Uh, there is a lot around the league. So we are going to touch on some of those things. Some of them, I think, are um, kind of impactful outside of just their own team. You know, different things that Im have impacts here and there. And um, and then we're going to try to do some, I know we've kind of had a couple episodes in a row where we've kind of had our moments and had our things to say. And so we're going to try to do some positivity here on the second half of the show just to, just to kind of say that if we're not just talking about this week and we look big picture, there are still some positive things to say even though most of most of the conversation lately has been relatively eh. So, well, we will... Um, uh, was there anything else? No, not really. It's Christmas Eve. I don't have... I, I didn't have... I didn't queue up, like, Christmas music or anything. Sorry about that, guys. I don't have anything like that. So, we're just, you know, running the show as normal. But if you are watching on YouTube, you will see that the color scheme has changed a little bit. I did a little red and green... For the holiday spirit, I guess. <laughs> so let's check into some Pirates news. Austin Hedges this week was announced. Um, the signing was. And because of that, uh, that was the Nick Mears. Was that right? No, Nick Mears was the Velasquez one. How am I already? Um, I'm already Diego. off. It was Diego. Yeah, Nick Mears was. No, D Nick Mears was the Austin Hedges one. Right? No, it must have been Vince Velasquez. Okay. Nick Mears was claimed by the Rangers then. <laughs> Let's just go there. He was claimed by the Rangers. He's gone. Austin Hedges was announced, They and they DFA'd Diego Castillo. And I think this surprised a lot of people, myself included. Um, I guess I'm not entirely surprised about the fact that Diego Castillo has been DFA'd. As much as I am, Surprised that he was DFA'd before some other people. And if I'm saying that he's on the list, does it matter what the order is? And that was said to me, uh, you know, on Twitter this week. Why does it matter what order they go in? And I think the only reason it matters to me is you have, like, you, br you bring in Connor Joe. Maybe Connor Joe was the Nick Mears thing. I think Connor Joe was the Nick Mears thing. It wasn't Vince Velasquez. It was Connor Joe. Anyway, you bring in this outfielder. Ryan Vallade is still on this roster. He could have. It would have made more sense to me. We've got more outfielders. We do infielders, and and there's more infield positions than there are outfield positions, especially considering our DH probably comes from the infield. So, that's the thing that kind of confuses me. Diego was probably my number two shortstop on this team. Like when you really look at the depth chart, I probably had him playing in some lefty situations instead of a Cruz before I slide Castro over there or, well, that's the only other guy who hits right-handed. I mean, or unless Jared Triolo is on this roster. If Jared Triolo is on the roster, then he could take some of those lefty at-bats. That is true. And that's probably what they're going to have to do at this point because you've got to have a backup shortstop who's right-handed. 
And so that's why it surprised me. I thought Diego had a little bit there. Sure, he ran into a rough spot in that rookie year, but everyone, or most people I'll say do. And so that was the thing that kind of surprised me about it. However, it's not like it's, I mean, so long as these other moves are still made, I mean, Diego still had two options. He also could have been sent down. So the argument that, oh, you know, Valade is there for depth, well, Diego could have been there for depth as well. And that's the thing that kind of still rings true to me is, you know, it, it, he still could. I thought he has a better upside. But then again, I don't see them play every day. I don't know how they work out. I don't know the conversations they're having. And I wonder if part of it is, well, if we DFA Ryan Valade, then he goes to another team. If we DFA Diego Castillo, we've got 10 days to trade him and you probably do get someone in return. So if it's a way to maybe uh, put somebody else in low minors, I mean, we know we lost a bunch of guys in the minor league portion of the 40-man or the Rule 5, so maybe we maybe to try to like, hey, we need players to play. <laughs> I mean, we don't think we lost that many, but you, you see what I'm saying? The fact that you can get a return for him is possibly in the thought process there. Um, do you have any thoughts on Diego? You want me to keep moving on? I'm just thinking that maybe they just, I mean, he ended the year at what, like 167. So maybe they just didn't see enough improvement throughout the, I mean, cause he got a lot of playing time last year, a significant amount anyway. Yeah. And I think the thing, the biggest thing for him is the strikeouts like towards that really second half, man, it just looked like he was lost. Yeah. But I was a big, I was a big fan, but. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's, but I'm okay with like a rookie struggling through the second half of the season when he gets exposed. I'd love to see how he hits back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know we're not going to see that from him. And like I said, it's not like the end. It's not like wow, this is really stupid that Diego was DFA'd. It's just kind of like oh, I would have rather have seen. You know, for me, number one, Bryce Wilson has. I mean, I know I'm probably not. There are people out there who like to see more from him. Um, as a matter of fact, on Twitter this week, I, I've, uh, you know, I had some conversations with some people who want to see what they, what we have in Valade before he's set go or let go. I don't think we will. I think he's gone. Um, I didn't think Diego necessarily had to be. If we go into the season and we haven't moved Ryan Valade, then then I'll say maybe we should have held on to Diego. Yeah. But anyway, um. So he was traded to the Diamondbacks. It's it's a young pitcher. His name is Scott Randall. I don't really think it's worth it to get into him. I think he's nineteen or twenty years old. Or no, no, he was on the he was a college arm, so he was twenty four in high A. So with that said, maybe he's maybe he moves quickly if he's going to do anything, right? If he's going to yeah, do I mean, anything, his his numbers looked really 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 good. So yeah. If you, if you just like quick brief glance at them, they look really good. So. I'd imagine he starts off in Altoona and hopefully fast tracks a little bit. Yeah, if if there's anything there, right, then if he'll fast track. Yeah. yeah, if he ends up just being a double A pitcher, you know what I mean. Then yep. you know he'll be here what for whatever. But I don't really know much. Uh, maybe there's some of you out there who actually do know some more. Um, and if so, you know we'd be happy to hear about it. But just to keep moving on, we're still waiting for the Harley and Garcia thing to be announced. So there's still a move to be made there. Um, my that soundbite is just still going nuts on my thing. So I don't know if we'll have that sound at the end or not. 
Um, and then O'Neill Cruz uh, has a little ankle injury. Um, he's not going to play right now. He'll come to the States after the holidays. They'll take a look at it. All reports so far say it's a minor thing, but they're really careful about these things in the winter. So every little thing, they're going to bring it up. And this is probably something that there was some swelling. I, I understand. It's probably something that during the season, they probably just, you know, day to day, he plays through it and sees if it goes down. Take some ice baths. Tough it up. I don't know, though. Hopefully. And, of course, um, we'll get into this in a minute, but, like, the Brian Reynolds trade rumors are um, heating up. So that's, you know, in the news. But we'll talk briefly about that. Let's take a look around the league a little bit. Padres signed Matt Carpenter, one year, $12 million, with an option for 24. Royals signed Jordan Lyles, two years, $17 million. Orioles, Mike, uh, reliever, reliever Michael Givens, one year, $3 million. Braves signed Jordan Luplo for one point four. Padres, Seth Lugo, two years, 15. Mets re-signed Adam Ottavino, two years, $14.5 million. Uh, Angels signed Brandon Drury, two years, $17 million. Cubs, Tucker Barnhart, one year, 6.5, with an option for 24. Mets signed Danny Mendick, who currently is injured, one year, $1 million. Hasn't even entered uh, arbitration years yet. Red Sox officially release Eric Hosmer. And then uh, Reds DFA'd Mike Moustakas, two former Royals world champs. Nearing the end of their careers, you start to see these kind of things, and it's it's just wild, you know what I mean? Um, but they did that. The Reds did that because they signed Will Myers, one year, seven and a half, with an option for twenty three. The Orioles acquired James McCann from the Mets after they got Omar Narvaez. Um, it's uh, for cash or player to be named later. The Giants signed Michael Conforto, two years, thirty six million. So we're gonna get into the Carlos Correa stuff. Don't worry. But I thought it was interesting that the Giants, who were concerned about the health of Correa, but then signed Conforto and Haniger, guys that have like been just injured. I mean, Conforto didn't play at all last year. Funny, but well, you know, it makes sense. These are not thirteen-year commitments. Um, the Cubs signed Drew Smiley as we thought they were. They were kind of getting close last week. Two years, nineteen million, with an option for a third year. Trevor Bauer's suspension reduced to what he's basically already served. He's reinstated immediately. Um, quickly, Jake, I'll just tell you, uh, is the next move for the Dodgers to release him? It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, how much has he been working? How, how much of a distraction is he going to be? Like, there's I don't, a lot of questions. There's yeah, a lot of flags. I don't even think that it's about his work. I think that the Dodgers are basically saying like, hey, whatever it is, man, like we're, we think it's not cool and, you know, we'll pay you to not play for this team. I, I just think that that's Very kind of the stance that they're taking. And then I'm curious as to whether anyone uh, takes it on. I'm just, you know, I'm curious to see. And I know his side is not, you know, they're all about saying, that, you know, there's nothing there and, he won't even get paid for a full season this year if he plays. So the suspension's over, but he's not getting paid until like late May or something like that. Hmm. So either way, I, I think the I think the way the Dodgers have talked, they have no interest in it anymore. That he's as good. They couldn't release him because he was suspended before. Yeah. So 
Okay. Um, if you guys hear that sound, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Giants signed. This is a good one to me. I like this one. Giants signed Taylor Rogers, three years, thirty-three million. He will now be in the bullpen with his twin brother, Tyler. Pretty cool thing. Giants, way to go! Does nothing for the fans, but it does wonders for those two guys. Yeah, I mean that's his twin brother. I get excited when I can play with you on our softball team. <laughs> <laughs> And the Blue Jays, uh, here we go. Now, let's wait for this one, just because. It's a segue. Let's do the Carlos Correa one. Because this week, Giants were going to, or Carlos Correa was going to the Giants. And then all of a sudden, it was like, um, we're going to hold off on the press conference. And, and I'm sure you guys have heard this a bunch, so I'm not going to go through all the details. If you haven't heard about Carlos Correa and the drama that's going on right now, um, just do one Google search. You'll get caught up pretty quickly. Um, but either way, the they didn't like something in the physical. And typically when that happens, it's a postponement, right? They didn't cancel it. They just postponed the press conference. Typically in this situation, they would talk with the player's people and say, hey, we see this. What, what do we make of this? You know, we're, let's talk about this. We don't like what we see here. Maybe we could work out a... A deal. Let's let's do something different, right? And a lot of times that might look like saying, "Hey, how about after five years, if you're banged up, this thing gets cut?" Or you know what I'm saying? After after ten after ten years, even eight years, if you if you are injured and miss a full season, like this, the the rest of the contract goes away. If you if you think you're healthy and this is not a problem, why would you have a problem with that? And it has to be related to the injury that they were concerned about. If you're if you're injured for other reasons, it doesn't matter. If you're injured because of this injury, then this is where we terminate at this at this point. And maybe that's like I said, maybe that's eight years down the road. That way, you don't have to pay for those older seasons. Yeah, I could I could see that being a a realistic option. I I guess you know some people just swoop in and. Steal the thunder. Yeah, so I think this is a Boris thing because it was already said that Cohen contacted Boris about Correa. And Boris said, hey, just a little late. We're actually wrapping it up with the Giants now. So Cohen said, I was too late. But he did contact Boris. And then when this happened, instead of renegotiating, Boris just calls up Cohen and says, "Hey, what was uh, what was you gonna say? <laughs> you know what I mean?" And to me, that sounds <sighs> that sounds um, worse to sounds me. Sounds like Boris. It sounds like Boris. That's a good point. That sounds like something that's like, "Hey, that's not cool." Now, some people were upset that the Giants basically weren't saying anything and they weren't gonna come out and say, "Well, you know, Boris handled this wrong and we wanted to renegotiate," and, all, and the Giants just didn't. And it's like, that's okay. First off, they're not allowed to talk about the medicals. Second, um, it's okay if they just don't want to drag Boris down. It's okay. They're going to have to deal with Boris with other players down the road. Let's not burn a bridge if I don't have to. Right. The truth of the matter is they had concern about his health. And then the, you know, and then Boris and Correa and them just decided. Let's see what's over here. And they flat out said, we don't care what's on that physical. Let's make it happen. 
So he gets a little bit less money, about the same AAV, I think, around. Um, but then today, this morning, the Mets have raised concerns over Carlos Correa physical. And I got to tell you, you're smiling. I'm smiling because we think this is hilarious. This is wild, all, like all around. And I know that yeah. this is maybe some might be saying this is overdone. We're talking too much about this. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think so. I know you're kind of on that. Maybe until you read this. Yeah, until this happened, yeah. Until the until the Mets raised concern, now you're kind of back in. Because the storyline was, oh, we don't really care. Yeah. You're going to play third for us, not short, so. Yeah, and it is, um, and it is according to uh, what's here on Trade Rumors. Where did I read that? The lower leg. Oh, yeah, his surgically repaired lower right leg, which is, I think, when he had the fibula injury, when he was still in the minor leagues. So the thing is, is if it was surgically repaired and maybe they either did a poor job or whatever, what they're saying is, I'm not signing this guy till he's 40 if I think he's going to break down at 35. Right. So we'll see what they do to work something out. But this is interesting. I highly doubt they back off on this deal because I think Cohen's going to come in and say, is he is he going to get hurt this year? Because we're trying to win a World Series right now. And if he's going to be fine in the next four years and we can win a couple World Series with him because he thinks that just money just buys World Series championships, then he might say, who cares, dude? We're only going to make more money as we go forward. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds, but I think it's hilarious. And there is a little bit of me who is um, who's being a little passive-aggressive about it because of the fact that Carlos Correa is the most hated player in Major League Baseball. So there is a little bit of me that kind of smiles because of that as well, right? It, there's a little bit there. And you also have, like, Steve Cohen becoming the, the big bad enemy in Major League Baseball right now. However, there's a lot of mixed... I'm not saying he is, but I'm not saying he's not. To some people, he's a villain right now. To, to other people, he... They're saying, no, he's doing what's right. He's paying guys. Sure, but maybe there's more to it than that. And we'll step into that for a second, but let's go the other way. Um, the Blue Jays trade... <laughs> the Blue Jays trade with the Diamondbacks here to get Dalton Varsho, Gary's boy. Dalton Varsho's going to Toronto, and in return... Now, let's let's make this clear. Dalton Varsho is an outfielder. A um, little bit of catching... I think basically they're kind of out on the catching a little bit, but a little bit of catching, uh, mostly outfield. He's played some center, played some corner. And in return, they get Gabriel Moreno uh, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. It was rumored that the Blue Jays were going to trade from this three-headed catching position that they had. Danny Jansen kind of looks pretty good. Um... Alejandro Kirk stepped up pretty big last year, and they they like that. And then this Gabriel Moreno looks to be the best of all three of them. And he's still young. Just got a cup of coffee last year. Um, but kind of the, the one that was supposed to be the one, and then these other guys kind of made good on their end. Jansen only has two more years of control. I kind of thought, I mean, I think everybody thought, he's the guy to get traded. Gabriel Moreno, like... And they all they got was Dalton Varsho. So I would have said a straight-up trade would have been like, oh, wow, 
This is more like a, hey, right now we have a need for an outfielder and we can get him if we give them this catching prospect. But they also added in an outfielder. So now where are you at, Blue Jays? Because you basically just traded in your lineup Lourdes Gurriel for Dalton Varsho, and if you still have an outfield, you still have an outfield hole. Like, I don't know where you're going with this. Like, what did you do to your lineup? You took Gurriel out, you put Varsho in. Did you upgrade that position? Yeah, probably. I think Varsho's probably, you know, a little better than Gurriel. Um, but you also got, I mean, I just, I just would have kept Gurriel. I would have done that trade, Moreno for, for Varsha, for sure. I feel like the Diamondbacks got a lot right here. And Diego Castillo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jake's muted laugh right there. Uh, this one surprises me a lot. And the reason why I think it's important to talk about, because there's been a lot of talk about the Pirates asking for quote unquote too much for Brian Reynolds. If you put a value on Brian Reynolds as the player, who's an excellent player, you put a value number on the fact that he's excellent and he has three years of control. The value is very high. And the offers that are coming in sound more like the offers that would come in if he's an excellent player with two years of control. So I'm asking you, if the Pirates see that and they say, well, these same offers are going to come in next offseason. The problem isn't they're, they're valuing Brian Reynolds lower. The problem is they're not willing to part with the guys that it takes to get him where he's at right now. And so you got something there? I thought you were. I mean, yeah, I just. Yeah, because I mean, there, gotta, I got more, but you can interject in any time. Yeah, you got to be willing to part with what it takes to get a guy that's three years of control just because he has claimed he wants out. That doesn't mean he's worth less. Okay. That's another point. Yeah. He's not worth less because the pirates have control of him. That's the point. Right. So they don't have to do anything. Um, you could make the argument that they quote unquote have to, because it makes it, you know, better. You could be under the, you could be under the uh, thought process that maybe he won't play as well, which We've already talked about Brian Reynolds is not the type of guy. He's still going to play well. Also, we we pointed out that JT Real Muto was just in this position and had an excellent season after that. Um, just showing that like the pros are pros. They're not gonna they're not mad at their teammates. They're, it's not like they're going to be a distraction. Um, this is a this is definitely like a contractual thing. I don't really understand. I don't. I still don't understand where he's coming from on this. I, it doesn't make sense to me. But either way. Um, it, it's kind of the thing that um, the offers that are coming in are offers as if he has two years of control. It's that level of value. The fact is, is like teams aren't going to say, I offered you this for him last year. I'll offer you less this year. That's not the case. The case is I'm just not willing to part with those guys. I'm not. It's the Yankees right now, right? That are in heavy. They're not willing to part with a Jason Dominguez or a Volpe, or even um, Oswaldo Peraza, who was the last, or Oswald, Oswald Peraza. I get him and the Cabrera mixed up, right? Because one of them's Oswald, one of them's Oswaldo. I think Cabrera is Oswaldo, and we remember seeing him last year. Um, a little bit of uh, um, Peraza last year, but more Cabrera. But either way, it seems like those three guys at the top there 
Volpe, Dominguez, and Peraza are the, the Yankees just aren't ready to part with him. The problem with that is, is the Pirates really aren't super interested in them either. I'm sure they would be because they're they're you know they're on track to be great players, but the Pirates have, are on record saying that they want a you know front end starter. The Yankees don't have that. They just don't have front end starters, and so they're going to have to get a third team involved if they want to make any of this happen. And so that's why it hasn't happened yet. They just don't have the players. Now, if they pony up and say, we'll give you one of these top three guys who they are a top three, like they're really good, then maybe it happens anyway. But I I just, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they'd be more willing to listen for Dominguez than Volpe. I think we have a lot of infield prospects. Well, then the same goes for Peraza then, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but isn't Peraza played a little bit of outfield too? That's 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 Cabrera. That's yep. Cabrera. I don't You're know right. if Peraza has or not, but Peraza is like he's a shortstop yeah. for sure. Yeah, he would he would be one of those guys where you'd be having a discussion with Cruz. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, I think if they got a third team involved that had like a front front of the top end rotation guy and the that's close in the minors, mm-hmm. and and they could get him and Dominguez. That oh, that wouldn't busy. happen. Yeah, that, and that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna, and that that values too much. That's Mike Trout stuff. If you get the front of the, if you get the front of the line starter, then your next guy's gonna be lower than that. Uh, Dominguez is a big, big get, but it also like per, the reason Peraza makes more sense than Dominguez, even though he's a shortstop, is the fact that like Peraza's ready to make, Peraza's ready to go. And I don't think the Pirates want to keep going down that path of getting a guy who's 19 and is going to be there in in five years. You know what I mean? Like, that's not their goal right now. Well, I don't know that Dominguez is that far away. Well, right. And he's... Even though he's young. I mean, he's a stud. Yeah. On on, on paper, I guess. On paper, <laughs> yeah. Still go play the game. Yeah, I think that he hasn't quite lived up to, you know, all the Mike Trout comps. If he was Mike Trout comp, he'd already be in the show. Yeah. So, you know, for the people who ever did that, he's already underperforming because he's past 19 now and he's not in the show. Yeah. So, um, but either way, it the, the Blue Jays Diamondbacks trade does kind of make you think because that's a big get for the Diamondbacks for Dalton Varsho and Brian Reynolds is, is better than Dalton Varsho. And they got a big-time prospect who's ready to play right now. And I think they could have done this deal with Kirk and Gurriel. Now, the thing is, the Blue Jays also, the Blue Jays also know more about him, Kirk, than Moreno, and Moreno may not work out. So that's why you deal prospects. That's why you deal them away, because you don't know that they're going to work out. And we all know that. It doesn't mean you don't get excited about them and you don't, you know, still plan as so long as things look good, you plan for them to be there. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. The, the idea is that when the Sean Murphy trade happened, I got a little bit worried about the return. Seeing this return, I think that we're I think that the Pirates are still justified in what they're asking for. Um once again, it comes down to that third year of control. If you want those three years, because the Pirates could get the same thing in a trade next year. 
but yet have him for the 23 season. There's a lot more value in him playing for this team in 23 than there is just going ahead and making a trade a year early that you will probably be able to get next offseason. Or let's say there's some injuries and this July a team is willing to overpay because that happens. Because there's two more years of control after this, that's not a rental for the last half of the year. Those trade deadline deals are, if we don't get him, we don't compete down the stretch. Where right now, you might say, let's see how the season pans out. I think we could probably get by without giving up our guys if he's going to be here. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a little bit of that. Um. I think sometimes the the urgency and the desperation moves are made at the deadline, not in the offseason. You're not desperate for anything in the offseason. You could see how things go. So I, I still I still think the trades that the Yankees are, are, are putting on the table right now, they'll make those same offers next season. Or, or a team will, right? Because next year, I would understand you not dealing... For instance, Jason Dominguez. Two years of control for a guy, you know, no. It's not worth it. Plus, not only that, but Dominguez is now a year older and a year closer. So th- there's just no reason next year for the Yankees to throw in a, a can't-miss bat like that. You know what I mean? And that's why it's only worth it if it's now. If you have to wait till next year, I'll wait till next year because the only... And the thing is, it's like, well, then we really need to move Reynolds this year. Well, yeah, if a team's willing to do it. If a team's not willing to meet that asking price, you let him play for the Pirates this year. And you keep him until a team says, I'm so desperate, I will throw this guy at you. Right? Leave that door open until a team is ready to to meet your price. Because you never know when a team gets desperate enough to meet that price. Somebody gets injured. They start off the year bad. Or maybe not. Maybe they start off the year hot, but there's another team that's hot too, and you need the edge. I don't know. I just think they're not asking for too much this early. And I don't think that, and I think that I'm glad that they're not like being okay with something. And that's kind of what it is. If they go get a back end rotation guy, like the guy the Yankees have, that doesn't, that doesn't move the needle for me. Unless it comes with one of those other top prospects, like, uh, Will Warren's a name that's been thrown around who projects to be like a number four or five. If that's what you're going to get for him, he's the second guy in the deal. He's the second guy in the deal after you get one of those top three. And then you say, well, you know, we got this guy and then maybe, maybe this Will Warren ends up being better than that. You know what I mean? But even then, even if he's better than that, what's he go to a two or three? And then you're looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates. We've, you know, we talked about this. You're looking at a rotation full of twos and threes. You know what I mean? Keller and Rowanzi and, uh, you know, even Priester and Burroughs. And none of these guys are that elite, top of the line Clayton Kershaw guy. You know, Walker Bueller. Since we're, we were just talking about them. You know, none of those guys are are popping up now. Hopefully, maybe somebody could turn into that. And I wouldn't mind having a team, a, a rotation full of twos and threes. If you, if you, in a couple of years, if, 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 let's say five of these guys work out, 
and you got Roanzi and Keller and let's say Priester, Burroughs, and Ortiz. You know, that's leaving some guys out of that equation. Oviedo and uh, maybe, I don't know if Cody Bolton really even goes that far. You know what I mean? But whoever it is, I'm sure I'm missing somebody when I say all that. But let's say they all end up being around a two or a three. And you have five of them. That's pretty good rotation. That's good enough to, to make a deep push. You know what I mean? It's a lot like what the Pirates had before. Probably a little better than what the Pirates had before. When they had, you know, Burnett and Liriano, those guys weren't aces. Garrett Cole pitched like an ace for one season. But then they didn't start him like an ace in the postseason, which was the whole thing, right? But they were a team full of twos and threes and then, you know, some back-end guys who had good years. And... I don't know. I I just think that they're, they they don't need to push on this. They don't need to trade him. Let us know what you guys think. Um I just we're we're at the 40 minute mark so we're getting close. I think we can move into this next thing. Um I think we'll skip the uh we'll skip the little touch base on the Mets deal. If you guys are interested in those thoughts, I don't really know that we have them, you know, it was kind of just a conversation to use time if we needed it. Um, yeah, I think we'll just skip that. Um, and I still am having problems with my sound pads over here, Jake. They're just flaring up. So I don't really have a, if I start playing one clip, the other one's going to keep popping in. So let's go ahead and move on to, uh, some positivity here. Let's leave some of this stuff in the dust and, and talk about the fact that we've been pretty negative for a good bit of this off season. And you know, justifiably so, you know, we expected some moves and some moves weren't made. And there was a couple that I think the excitement over the Carlos Santana deal was almost like, whoa, okay, they got Santana. Maybe that means they'll get the next guy that we thought, you know what I mean? I think there was some, I don't think the excitement was necessarily Carlos Santana. You could talk about the positives of, of him being a leader and things like that, but you know, we understand but what it did to me is it made me feel like they were going to go get a catcher. They were going to go in. And I thought Quintana was a priority. And now he's playing with the mega team and we got nothing to show for it except for Vince Velasquez. So, you know, I thought that the, the Carlos Santana deal was a move in the right direction, not the move. I agree. And now it was just a, Hack on, you know, Quintana's going to go up there and be their fifth starter. He would have been our ace. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But no, I, I, I see what you're saying about the, the Santana deal. And, and I thought the same thing. Like, I was like, okay, now, now we move on. We, we go get a catcher. And, and we ended up getting a, a, I'm happy with Hedges, but I think we still need another one. We need another one. Right. Yeah. I understand. I understand the Hedges move. There are things I like about it. Obviously, the guy can't hit. And, um, you know, that's one of the things uh, I, I don't I don't see how you turn that around. Uh, but I also don't think it's all that important. Uh, the catching position is a stopgap position for us. We do believe that at least one of Andy and, and Henry will will be on this team. And I think that's where we can start this conversation. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the diamond and we're going to say that there is still reason to watch this team. And there's still maybe some reasons why there's not like a total, I mean, as if this isn't a total 
there's been a lot of turnover again. And we said there would be. Last offseason, we said next offseason, there'll be a lot of turnover again. But one thing that you're seeing is there are some positions that have important guys. Guys who can change a lot about what we're saying here. Now, these are not, I know we said we're going to do positive stuff here. I'm going to tell you the positivity is coming from when I see an interesting player who I think could do something to be better. To me, that's what makes him interesting, right? And in these types of years, I get excited about that because it's not just a guarantee these guys are going to be good, but it's exciting to see what happens with it, right? I'm eager to watch it unfold. Sometimes they crash and burn. Sometimes they accelerate. And I don't really know, like, maybe watching Marte and Polanco is a good example because you got to see that, oh, yeah, Marte's legit. And then, oh, man, Polanco needs to stay healthy, right? And health is a big part of it. You don't work out because you're not healthy. And I think he played a lot of his bad seasons. He was playing hurt. And that's not an excuse um, it's, it's a, it's a reason why he's not working out. Sure. But like, even if he played well, when he was on the field, he still wasn't working out because he wasn't on the field. So I think there's still like the, the knock is that you weren't healthy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but also to go with it, he also wasn't performing the way that we thought he would. Um, so there's a bunch of those guys that to me, those are exciting. Um, and like I said, not, because I think they're guarantees or locks or anything like that. It's just because you want to see these things unfold and it tells you who you are. And I think we have a lot of that. So let's just go around. Let's go around the diamond. We'll start at catcher. We'll, we'll get pitching last. Let's start at catcher. Um, this one to me is easy. Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis. Let's see how they go. I know that they're not going to do this at the major league level. However, I think that Andy probably does. I think he finds his way there this year. If he plays well, um, there will be an opportunity for him this year. He's already on the 40-man is why I say him. Um, first base, I, I think this is the one that's kind of a big question. I think what they did was they got major league players this year who will step in and play first base at the major league level, and they'll be average or slightly above. They will be major leaguers. Not like last year where we didn't have major league first baseman on our team. Say what you want about Chavis, he wasn't good, right? He worked hard. You can like him. That's fine. Uh, there's been players I've liked in the past that haven't been good. It's okay. <laughs> I liked Cole Tucker, even though I knew it's not working out. <laughs> I still like the dude, right? And maybe it's different, but these guys are actual legitimate major league baseball players. And if they're if they have a zero war, that means they're an average major league baseball player, which means they deserve to be there. War is based on replacement level, not you have to be positive war in order to be a major league baseball player. You can't be. Eventually the curve evens out at zero. <laughs> pretty sure that's how that works. If I'm wrong about it, let me know. But pretty sure that's how that works. If everybody gets better, then the the, the zero line just keeps raising. <laughs> but these guys are major league base, baseball players playing first base. That doesn't say much for for 24 because they're both going to be gone probably, right? 
They both can be a free agent at the end of the year. So either, whether they're dealt or they go to free agency or whatever, unless they're re-signed, which is unlikely, um, then first base still has a hole in 24. So when you're looking down the road, you first base is still a hole. We just did this to get us through this year, which is fine. I mean, that's what we needed to do. We should have done that last year. So as far as first base, I have no idea. You're just looking for someone. You're looking for someone to maybe change positions there that has a bat. You're looking for maybe Malcolm Nunez to, to play more first base and actually hit you know, a lot like he's been doing, but keep progressing. Maybe Mason Martin, my goodness, maybe Mason Martin makes a turn. I have no idea. Any of these guys can, right? I, we just don't know. So we're here to watch, see what shows up at first base. Otherwise, you're looking at free agents again. You're looking for a trade or something like that at that point. So I don't know about first base. Let's keep moving, though, because second base has a lot of potential there. And it's going to start with the guy who probably comes into the into the season as the starting second baseman in, in my, I guess, prediction, which is Rodolfo Castro. And this is a guy who is a real kind of, he can't stay the same this year, right? Because if he stays the same, then there's still too many question marks. And maybe that answers your question. Maybe he's a bench player who can pop in and out. But he also could take a step forward. And if he takes a step forward, then I think it really makes an impact on 24. If it's not him, does Jihuan Bay step up? And does Jihuan Bay actually move to the outfield eventually anyway? Because we know that that's going to be probably half his time on the field this year. Some people think more. Some people think he's a starting center fielder this year. I, I, you know, I don't see that happening. Um, especially if Reynolds is on this team, he's going to play center field no matter if we like it or not. No matter if he's good or not, he's going to play there. Especially now. <laughs> the only way is, I mean, maybe that's why he wanted a trade. Maybe they told him, hey, you're going to be playing left again. I'd just rather be out. Without anyone else on this team to play that position... Nah, I don't see that happening. I agree with you. But if they did say, hey, we're going to have Ji Huan Bay play center field this year. That, there's no way he's that he's playing. earned his there's no way he's earned a starting job, though. I, I agree. I'm just saying if that's, he could play then, it when he gets in the lineup. Yeah. But there's no way that you could that you could just insert him in. But right. either way, either way, Rodolfo Castro to me. Um, Jihuan Bay could step up there and also to see what Nick Gonzalez does because this guy is a hitter and he's he's one of those guys that if he turns a corner for the good it may be like a serious oh shoot this guy's legit he's going to be here in August and he's not going anywhere if he makes a big you know what I mean if he makes a big turn to the positive side um because he just has that type of talent to, if, like I said, not if it's still going the way it is right now, but if he takes that turn and something clicks, that's when he, that's when everything is realized. Now, just like any of these guys, it could go the other side, but we said this is Christmas Eve. We're going to be positive. So these are the guys who have the potential to, to make the turn, to make the stride in a positive way. Understanding, we're not sitting here saying it's a guarantee, nothing's a lock. 
I don't even know why I keep having to say that. You guys have heard that enough. If you want to quote me and say that I think that these guys are no doubters, go ahead and do it. But I've made it very clear. Third base, it's Key Brian Hayes and his offense, right? And so if he can make a stride forward, it, it speaks volumes. It, it, it turns into something so much better. Shortstop, O'Neal Cruz, I'm not going to say his defense because it's both sides. He still needs strides offensively as well. Uh, but my goodness, if something clicks for him, what a talent he could be. Probably more so than anyone else on this roster. Uh, could be an absolute difference maker if that thing clicks. It could be very, very good. Um, and if it doesn't, I think he's still a good player. <laughs> I think he's still... A, a good, good player. But it has, if that thing clicks and he makes a stride forward, he covers for two players. You know what I mean? Um, in the outfield, to be honest with you, and you, you might have more here, uh, it's Jack Sawinski for me. If something clicks and he can limit the strikeouts, the defense is already there. He's already shown to have major league pop, um, which only gets better if he makes more contact. Um, I'm not saying maybe 30 homer guy, but if he can hit 20 to 25 homers a year and be a middle of the kind of road hitter, maybe depending on his on base, let's say his on base is somewhere, you know, you know, above 300 and, and knocking, you know, 20, 25 homers a year, maybe his average sits around 230, 260. Like that's still like, that's a quality major league bat that sits in your six or seven hole in a lineup with the defense that he brings to the table, I think that he's a major league baseball player and he can fit into a lineup if he's not a feature player, right? And so, you know, I think that those types of players are important. You have to have them. He could be one of those guys moving forward if he can clean up the strikeouts and and um, and contact just in general, right? Other than that, man, it's just anyone else because we see a lot of guys on this team, a lot of Kanan Smith and Jigba, uh, Travis Swaggerty, Cal Mitchell, and then the, the guys around them. Even, I mean, Andujar, uh, Connor Joe, and Ryan Valade. You know what I mean? I mean, we have this huge list of outfielders who are, uh, you know, you're – what, the best you can hope for from any of these guys is to be a league average, to be what I said about Jack Swinsky. And, you know, you don't want three of those guys in your outfield. You only want maybe one or two of them. The other guy in the outfield has to be a Brian Reynolds type. But all of those guys I just mentioned have to actually make a stride, just like Swinsky, to get to that point of that good major leaguer, worthy major leaguer type thing. So... I guess it's just anyone else. If we can get one of those guys to just work out to be that same type of hitter I just explained about Sawinski, you know what I mean? I don't think you're getting any of the, you know, Brian Reynolds type out there. I I don't know how you get that. I don't know how you, at this point, you already had your player. And, uh, okay, we're not doing negatives. Yeah, we're not doing it. Once again, Jake laughing behind his mute button. Um, so my joke landed flat because of that, but you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Um, outfield to me is, is something they're going to have to acquire, whether it's free agency or a trade or something, but moving forward, I think you're going to have to improve the outfield that way. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of infielders coming up. I think outfield is a position of need, even though there's a lot that are kind of like right there on the cusp. There's not a lot behind them. And so that's going to be interesting. Um, pitching, I'm going to need you to chime in a little bit more on. I know that you're kind of coughing over there, but you know pitching better than I do. But once again, this is a big list. Uh, Oviedo, Ortiz, Priester, Burroughs, and I even have Cody Bolton on here. If he takes a stride forward, he could make an impact and show up at the major league level. Um, but that's my list there. Uh, and on the relief side, it's Yuri De Los Santos. And then anyone else stepping up in the bullpen can be built in a year. I don't care. Some of these guys that maybe don't work out in the rotation, maybe drop to the bullpen, um, as well. And so I think if these types of guys make a stride forward, what, what are your thoughts on some of those, some of those pitchings, um, pitching guys? Yeah, even even the guys who are already there, like Keller took a big stride forward last year. I need to make sure that he he sticks to it. You know, I think I think he's made the the adjustments. I think he's there, but again, it's Mitch Keller. Let's <laughs> let's make sure it sticks. Um, uh, you know, it looks like you said Oviedo, Ortiz, Priester, Burroughs, Bolton, all, all these guys. All, they're a bunch of kids with a ton of talent, and you know, stepping out on the mound and actually taking the talent out there and executing it. It, it, it takes it's a more different than story. Talent. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. It takes more than just the talent. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see a lot of these guys. A lot of people think Priester's going to be in our rotation at some point this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see that. Um, Burroughs has been making strides through the minors. What's he going to have? Ortiz, I think we talked about it before. I think you're going to see him in limited roles, kind of like we saw uh, Ruanzi this past season. So there's a, there's a lot to look forward to in the pitching as far as the starters go. And then De Los Santos, I, I really liked what I got to see from him last year with with a little more growth and a little more uh, experience. I think he I think he has a good chance to come back and really be a a, a good bullpen arm. Maybe even a, a back end bullpen arm. Yeah, and those are also, the things. If also, if I'd he like takes see, that step I, up, yeah, and, I, and I'm excited to see Moretta throw too. Okay, I'm excited to see what what he's got in the tank. Yeah, and I think if any of these guys can step up, I think it's more pressing for me. Like I said, because relievers can be interchangeable year in and year out, and things like that. I think that rotation, if you know, if we get some of these guys to make strides forward, it does change what you think. And I guess that's what I'm saying. The overall, as we wrap this this up and wrap this episode up, if guys can can these are these are prospects who all of these guys have been prospects who have the ability to be better than what we've seen so far. They all have higher ceilings than what we've seen so far. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, it's very rare you hit on a bunch of guys in the same year. Cleveland just did it last year. A lot of their guys hit. And boy, was that exciting for them. They all hit at the same time. That's super rare. That happens once every 10, 15 years, right? That doesn't make it impossible because all of these guys are there with the exception of maybe the outfielders who are are still a lot of question marks. And like I said, even if they hit their league average, Hayes has the ability to be a lot better. Cruz has the ability to be a lot better. Rodolfo Castro is one of those wild cards who has a very high ceiling, but also of low floor. So he could, he really could fluctuate either way. 
As far as Hayes and Cruz, their floor is a lot higher than one of maybe a Rodolfo Castro. But if those guys, they're all there. Jihuan Bay has a high ceiling. Nick Gonzalez has a high ceiling. Andy, Henry Davis, like these guys have high ceilings. It wouldn't be, it's not impossible for them to all make strides every single season, no matter what level they're at. They should be progressing. Um, and I, and I don't think that's a silly thing to say. It's just doesn't, it's just doesn't always happen. It's very rare. So I'm not saying these guys are going to compete. They would, if they all hit the pirates compete with 500, the pirates get to that. And I, when I say compete at 500, what I mean is maybe they get to like 75 wins with the ability to say like, Oh man, you know, maybe we make a push for 500. I don't see that happening. That's one of those once every 10 to 15 years, that kind of thing happens, right? Um, kind of like a, a little bit like what Baltimore did last year. They just surged up. Now, like I said, they're a little bit ahead of, of, of on the timeline. They started this thing before we did. It wouldn't, it would be a surprise to see that happen in 23. It really should be happening in 24. But in order for that to make sense, some of these guys need to stride forward. And so if we see even half of this crew take that step forward and say, hey, like if, if O'Neill Cruz starts to really develop into a star, if, if Key Brian Hayes starts to hit a little better, I don't care if it's average or power, one of the two. If his, if his average stays the same and his on-base stays the same, but he adds some power to it, then I'm saying, all right, with that glove, let's rock and roll. Or if he maybe still isn't adding the power, but maybe the average in the on-base gets better, then he's still a valuable piece. With that glove, let's rock and roll. I'm happy about it, right? Uh, you know, and then any of these other guys, if you get half of these guys, if you get maybe two of these pitchers, take real good steps forward. You already have Roanzi and Keller who made their steps forward. If they just continue on their path, they don't have to make those big strides now if they continue. And then you get big strides from even two guys out of this crew. Then, geez, Louise, you just got one more spot to fill. And you're in a good place moving into 24 and saying, maybe somebody else makes a stride in 24. Maybe you go get a better starter to, to anchor that. Maybe not. <laughs> but the idea is that, like, then you start to see what 24 could be if you get these strides. So that's what I'm excited to see is who's going to happen. What if Castro blows up and hits 25 homers? And then you might start saying, do we extend him? Or does he become a trade because Nick Gonzalez is also trending forward? St stuff like that is possible because then you can start opening up players for trades and bringing in somebody different and things like that. And who knows what could happen once again, all of this up in the air, but it's Christmas Eve. Give me the ability to say, these are the things that could happen. And I'm not saying it makes 23 better. As a matter of fact, I think I've said a couple times it doesn't. I mean, it'll make it better. It'll make it what we think it could be. It's not going to make us a 500 team, I don't think, because I don't think that you're going to see enough of those guys, even if they're strides forwards. We're talking about guys making strides forward in AAA too. You know what I mean? It's not going to be enough to me. It's not going to be enough to make this a, a 500 team. I still think there's a growth year here. I think there's gonna it, those strides forward may not happen until the second half of the season, and we may have dug a hole. You know what I mean? It's a young team, but what it does mean is it does mean more for the the year after that. 
And it means more because if you show that you have good players that are capable of playing well, then you just, I mean, gosh, you just hope. And that's all we have is hope because there's no proof that it's ever going to happen. We, we have proof that it has happened, but not going to happen, is that maybe your, your budget gets increased if you show that there's a worthy team to build people around. You know what I mean? So that's all. I think we wrap it up there. Um, you have anything to add here before we go off here? Merry Christmas to everybody. Jake, what do you got here? Yeah, oh. I think I'm pretty good. Uh, just a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, Safe traveling for anybody up north. And going to see family and friends. Uh, don't be afraid to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out in public in a jam-packed area um just stay healthy everybody yeah and that is a good point too because it is you know i, I tend to forget where we're at and i'm looking at christmas and i'm not looking at the fact that next sunday is new year's so we, we're gonna have sort of the same sort of deal where you know the next time you guys hear from us it'll be it'll be the new year i just tend to forget that yeah. so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all those things, no matter what you do. Maybe next week we'll talk about some New Year's resolutions for the Pirates. I think we tried to do this last year, too. It ends up being a joke, but well, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to have fun. We're here to just talk. Yep. Uh, but Merry Christmas, everybody. And uh, like I said, my soundboard, I'm going to have to contact Road about this because, I mean, right now, look. Take on the Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to my dad and I. I'm hitting my desk, not the button. Oh, it just <laughs> randomly off, on. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Nope, we're done. Okay, guys, follow <laughs> us on all the socials, all of those sort of things. This thing is just flashing on and off. The music's done, so we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Have a Merry Christmas.